Hi, Mike Hancock here. And in this session, I have Brian Neves. And Brian has known Landy and I for a few years now. We originally met you in Florida, Brian. And it was one of those, you know, love at first sight things, I have to say for us. We were at a seminar and there's, I don't know how many people were there, 50, I guess, 50 people at this seminar. And we got the opportunity to work with some people. And uh, to be fair, most of them just didn't resonate with us in one way. And we went, this guy's really good. We really like this guy. And, and I, I think, you know, you had a, a way in which you sort of saw that Lundy and I are a little different and unique as well. And our relationships carried on over the years. And I'm so grateful to you um, for being on our call today. And I'm so looking forward to the wisdom you're going to share. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I, uh, you and I have talked many times about how this works, but you know, you find yourself in a room full of people and um, I, I think you and I share the view of love everybody, but there are just some that you naturally click with, some that you naturally resonate with. You know, you and I are both big believers in the idea of, of your vibrational frequency. And, you know, sometimes you just, you, you, find, you find the frequencies that you're supposed to find. And with you guys, it was just a very easy, easy, natural process. And, and still is. So, um, so we'll keep, try and keep our, our recording short today, whereas we could go on for a long time. Let's, uh, for those of uh, the people watching and listening that are meeting Brian for the first time, uh, not knowing a lot about you, um, except what's obviously in the write-up and interested in faith, which is a huge part of your life, faith and leadership. I want to go right back to the start. I mean, uh, you were a US senator. Um, you served in Obama's government, I believe. And, um, you know, but your career goes way, way back past that. So I'm interested in where did Brian Neves get this idea, this idealism that he wanted to become a politician? And, you know, in the US, which is like the, the feeding frenzy of politicians, it's bad enough in other countries, but the US is like a, a feeding frenzy. Um, you know, you're still smiling, you've got all your hair and uh, you look young for, for your age. So, I mean, how did, how did all this come about in the first place? What was the trigger point? Well, it was, a, it was a very, very unusual path. You know, I, I never, I, and you know what, it's funny, Mike, because out of all the times that you and I have had an opportunity to visit with each other, we've never really specifically talked about this. No. And um, it may be to your surprise that I absolutely never had political aspirations. I, I had no desire to be involved in politics. I, um, when I was in high school, I never ran for, you know, student council or anything like that. I'm embarrassed to say, I, I can say this now after the fact, right? I'm embarrassed to say that, um, you know, until I was, until I was probably in my mid, mid to late 20s, I really had no idea how our form of government in the United States even worked, you know, and, and, and even worse is when I was 18 years old, I went into the military and I served active duty in the military for 10 years. And when I, when I enlisted into the military initially, I had to hold up my right hand and swear an oath to the constitution, a constitution I had never read, a constitution I had no idea what it said. I was 18 years old and wanted to serve. Right. Yeah. And um, so then every time that you extend or reenlist, you have to raise your right hand and swear to that same constitution again. And so the embarrassing thing to tell you today is that 
All those times I did that, I had no idea what I was swearing to. I just knew that I wanted to be in the military. I wanted to serve. And, um, and so that gives you a little bit of a backdrop of how unusual or how unlikely it was that I would ever end up in politics. And so then just long story short, while I was in the military, I, um, and you know, you don't go into the military to become rich, right? And so <laughs> I was broke. Um, and, and I had one of those aha moments, you know, that you and I share with people as far as understanding there's got to come this aha moment in our life where we decide that things are going to change. And for me, it happened when, uh, you know, my wife and I had been married for just under a year and it was the holiday season in the States. And my wife comes from a family where the holiday season is just, you know, the, the whole world stops revolving on its axis yeah. at the holiday season so that you can spend time together so that you can enjoy each other. Well, she had married me and we had left. I was in the military. We were stationed in a different state. And, um, you know, we wanted to come home for the holidays. And I literally did not have enough money to pay for the gas to drive from the state of Texas back to the state of Missouri. Now, we wouldn't have had to pay for a hotel because family would have put us up. We wouldn't have had to pay for food because family would be happy to feed us. They hadn't seen us in almost a year. It was our first year of marriage. And um, I just literally did not have enough money to be able to go home. And, um, you know, I, like many other guys, when we, were, when we were young, my wife and I are high school sweethearts. And so when we were teenagers, I filled that girl's head with all kinds of stuff about what a great life she was going to have, live in fine houses, drive fine cars, all this kind of stuff. And um, I obviously had not held true to that promise. So finally, when the day came, when I finally told her, I said, look, baby, we just don't, we just don't have enough money. We can't go home for Christmas. I thought that was going to be the day that she was going to come unglued and say, you know what? I believed all your promises. You've lied to me. This is it. Right. But instead she put on her big girl pants and pretended that it was okay. And she said, Oh, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Maybe it's even better because we'll be able to form our own traditions, blah, blah. That girl was lying as much with those words as I had lied to get her to marry me in the first place. Right. And so anyway, trying to keep a real long story short here. So finally, it gets real close to Christmas time. And we're living in this little teeny tiny apartment where you share roaches with all the other people that are in the apartment complex. And um, I come into the living room. She didn't know that I was watching. And she's over by this little Charlie Brown Christmas tree that we had. And she's crying, tears dropping down onto the card from her sister. Wow. And um, I'm telling you, Mike something changed on the inside of me that day that would never be the same. I didn't about face. I went into the bathroom. I had a conversation with myself that no human being should ever have with themselves. This was before I understood the value of our own self-talk. This was before I understood things like setting our vibrational frequency. This was before those days. I was a young guy, right? And um, I called myself everything but a child of God. I dropped F-bombs all over myself. I called myself a loser. And um, I walked out of that bathroom changed because I made a decision in that bathroom with myself that I was going to be rich, period. No matter what I had to do, I was going to be rich. And so thank God, and I don't say that flippantly, I'm seriously like, thank God that bad men did not find me in those days because yep. if bad men would have found me in those days, I would have done bad things for money. 
But instead, about two weeks later, good men found me. And I won't go into the whole story about that, but some good men found me. They took me under their wing. They began to teach me how to get my mind straight. They began to teach me about things like vibrational frequency. They began to teach me all the things I needed to know to build success. And so I did everything they told me to do. I worked my guts out for a period of about five years while I was still in the military. So I was in the military and building some side businesses of my own with these guys. And um, lo and behold, by the time I was 30, um, or before I had turned 30, I'd become a millionaire. And um, so I got out of the Navy, not because I was unhappy with the Navy. It just didn't make any sense to be making that kind of money and still be in the Navy. And um, I got out of the Navy, moved back home, and um, just minded my own business, built my businesses. And as a result of of having successful businesses, (laughs) I had to physically write these gigantic tax checks every quarter, every quarter, every quarter. You know, I always tell people in the States, I say, if every citizen of the United States had to actually physically write their tax check rather than have it extracted from their paycheck before they ever see it, there would be a revolt. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so, exactly. you know, I, with no intention of ever being involved in politics, I have to start writing all these big checks. And so I start complaining because I'd write this gigantic check and then I'd get in my car and hit the same pothole that I'd hit before. In other words, I, I knew that government was not being efficient with the money that we were giving them. And um, I complained enough. And after complaining enough, people began to say, well, why don't you do something about it, Brian? Why don't you do something about it, Brian? And I would answer by saying, well, you know, someday I will. And so finally, someday came and really almost flippantly, I drove, I, you know, each state has what they call secretary of state. If you're going to run for higher office, you've got to go and register at the Secretary of State. And so I grabbed a buddy of mine and I said, you know what, I'm going to go run for the legislature. I had no idea what that even meant. And um, so I went and I, I signed up to run. Two days later, I get a call from the party boss. People always ask me which party and I say it doesn't matter because they both suck. But I get a call from the party boss <laughs> that he says, is this Brian Nieves? I said, yeah. He said, well, who the hell are you? And I said, well, I thought we just established that on Brian Nieves, right? And he said, you really don't know how this works, do you? I said, well, evidently not. So anyway, the guy tells me I need to go take my name off the ballot. And um, because I didn't have a background in politics, I had never been a a high-level donor, blah, blah, blah. You know, I I hadn't had my card punched properly to run for the legislature. He told me, well, no, you first you got to run for dog catcher, then you got to run for city council, then you got to run for this, then you got to run for that. Well, when I hung up that phone call, it was no longer flippant for me. Then I was pissed off yeah, because it was such a perfect example of what's wrong with politics. And, um, you know, this was probably 20 years ago. This was before it was cool to be an outsider. Now it's cool to be an outsider, but back then it wasn't cool to be an outsider. And so anyway, we launched a David and Goliath for real. I was the laughing stock of the political world. Nobody thought we could win that election. We won. I, uh, I served for 12 years in my state legislature, ultimately becoming the um, Senate Majority Whip, which meant I had a palatial office, staff, special license plates, all this kind of stuff. And, and after 12 years of serving, and I know every politician says this, I'm a former politician, so hopefully it's a little bit more believable, but after 12 years of serving, you know, my whole intent was to serve. 
I, I, I literally, I made less money as a senator than I did as a private citizen. I, I, I gave of my time, I gave financially. It was truly a service for me. And um, after 12 years, and it was a good 12 years, I enjoyed it, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to have been able to do that. Uh, but after 12 years, I figured out that while, although what I was doing there was good, I was built to do something great. And mm -hmm. at the top of my game, I was the Senate Majority yep. Whip. It was an election year. I had no one running against me. I could just literally sashay right into another term in the Missouri State Senate. And, um, and I decided that it was time for me to leave. And so of my own accord, I said, thanks everyone. This has been a great experience, um, but it's time for me to go. And I, I packed up my bags, I left. You know, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible. I happen to be a Christian. I respect all uh, faith systems. There's a verse in the Bible where it talks about shaking the dust of a place off your heels. And so yeah. I literally, as I left the capital city, I, I, I ceremoniously shook the dust of that place off my heels and, and haven't, I, I've been back twice. And both times it was for uh, memorial services for friends and colleagues that had passed away. But other than that, I've never been back. I, I left that place behind. Wow, it's a, it's a beautiful story, and, and I, I see so many parallels. I, I, I didn't want to interrupt you, um, but firstly, I never knew Trump had to be a dog catcher before he became president, so I've learned something there. But I remember when I was um, with one of my best friends that I've known my whole life um, at, uh, a couple of years ago at his house, and he said to me, he's got the most retentive memory, this guy, Brian, um, he's a guy who says, well, actually, this is exactly what he did one day. He was walking down the street and he stopped an old woman. And he said, are you Mrs. Martin? And she said, yes. She, he said, you used to be my art teacher in 1973. And she's like, who are you? And I'm like, how did you recognize her when you haven't seen her for nearly 50 years? He goes, oh, she looked the same. How to know how she could. So this guy has an amazing memory. And I'm telling you this because he said to me, he said, you know what you used to say all the time at school? And I said, what's that? He said, all you used to say is when I grow up, I'm going to travel the world and be a millionaire. Now, you and I know the power of words, right? We know and understand the power of words and we create our own environments. And that's so important now for people to understand during this whole COVID crap that's going on. But I never realized that I was intentionalizing as a 15, 16, 17 year old, my future, because in my mind, I wanted to be a rock star, right? But yeah. it was just, I want to be a rock star and travel the world and make a million dollars. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to do, do that as well. And then the second thing, or the third thing that you said that resonated with me in, in the story, and then I want to move on to a question, is that got to a time of my life where I was at the top of the corporate tree. And, you know, I, I did have the CEO above me, but I had, you know, several thousand people underneath me. And I went, I am wasting my life. I have done this. It's time I took control of my life. And it's time that I came to the, the sense that I no longer need to search for a master. I need to become the master for which I have searched. Yeah. And that was when I decided I would leave corporate you know, and I left and started doing my own thing. And that's 20 years ago now. So I want to pick up your, your story because um, at the moment with 
everything that's going on in the world, there's uh, some, some undercurrents that people haven't talked about. And I haven't seen it in mainstream media at all. It's in some media that, you know, but you've got to dig deep. So there's lots of people that are really scared. You know, they don't, they don't say it out loud, but they're really scared. They're, they're scared whether they're going to catch this thing. They're scared whether they're going to lose a relative. They're scared whether they're going to lose their business, lose their job. They don't know how the world's going to look. They are living in fear. And then there's another group of people that are living in guilt. And they're feeling guilty. They watch the news at night and go, oh, my goodness, I went to the supermarket. I hope I don't have it. Oh, I shouldn't visit my grandmother. You know, I hope I don't give it to her. What if somebody's given it to me? Oh, what about the other things that I've done in my life where I've hurt and impacted people? And so this whole thing's developed guilt. And, you know, one of the thing, reasons we're talking about conscious leadership is because leadership most definitely should be conscious to be effective. So in your aspect, um, tips, techniques for people to identify patterns with them in themselves and tips and techniques for ways in which people can change the way they talk in their mind, which then will change their reality. Because you've done it um, and you continue to do it. And, you know, you're not necessarily the most um, PC person in the world. You're not necessarily the most um, rah-rah person in the world, branding or anything like that. But you live an incredible life. You're with your high school sweetheart still. I mean, that's that's something that I take my hat off to, to somebody who's done that. You know, the photos of you and your kids online are, you know, you really do live a brilliant life. So it's all created out of your mind. So I'd love you to help the people on this call with some of the things that you know to be the truth. Well, I, and I appreciate that. You know, I think, I think the first thing that I would say is um, <clears throat> we all have to get to a place where we really do make our own decision about what a, to, to use your phrase, what does a brilliant life look like? Because I think for so many people, you know, we get wrapped up in what everybody else says a brilliant life is. You know, I, I, look, at, I look at people that do what I do, and um, you know, there, there are some who make a heck of a lot more money doing what I do than I do, but they're busy all the time. You know, I, I have three grandkids and um, I, I like, I just love to have my life. I, I, yeah. I love to live the life that I have engineered, that I have designed, and that's perfect for me. Now, there are plenty of other people that might take a look at my lifestyle. I live in a small town in Midwestern USA. And, um, you know, we have, a, we have a beautiful home, but it's not a, a 30,000 square foot mansion in Beverly Hills, you know, but it's, it's the life that we have designed. And so, number one, don't let other people, don't let other people determine what your brilliant life looks like. Number one, you have to figure out what your brilliant life looks like in terms of income, in terms of what it is that you're doing, uh, how you're blessing other people, et cetera, et cetera. That's number one. And then once you have a fairly clear idea of that, and don't take that too far. Don't, don't think that you've got to have every element right down to the molecule figured out before you can start designing your life. Some of this, you're going to have to build the airplane in the air, right? but get yourself a pretty good idea of what your brilliant life looks like. And then as simple as it sounds, Mike, 
you and I know that for many people, it's like, it's like they think something has to be complex to be effective. Absolutely. But in fact, most of the time, the most effective things are the most simple. Yeah. And so I'll just mention a few of the things that I learned from those men who found me when I was 23 years old, broke as a church mouse, had nothing going for me, had no formal education, had not been taught anything about the success of the mind. Some of the things that they taught me right off the bat in the beginning was they taught me the value of the words that come out of our mouth. Now, since then, as I've lived my life and as I've, I've dug deeper and deeper and deeper into the subject, I figured out that while the words that come out of our mouth are extremely important, right? We can, we can, it's possible for a person to speak words, especially when they're talking to other people. They speak words that sound right, that sound like the kind of words that would, that would help a person to divide, design their brilliant life. But then later on, in the privacy of their own internal conversations, they're still having thoughts that are designing a life that they don't want. And so yeah. what I help people to understand or do my best to help people understand is that those private inner conversations that you and I have with ourselves are really the ones that are going to determine what our brilliant life is going to look like. Absolutely. And so... I do this thing. I've taught this literally all over the world, Mike. I've taught this. Now, I don't get to travel as much as you do, um, but I've taught this on every inhabited continent of the globe, okay? And that is that if we will literally begin to physically write down some things in present tense stated only in the positive, if we will begin to write these things down every day, day after day after day, sort of like how, you know, we've all learned about um, positive affirmation cards. And listen, positive affirmation cards are powerful. I, I love them. I'm a big believer, right? But a positive affirmation card, a three by five card that we write some positive affirmations on and then put in our back pocket and never look at again are probably not going to be as effective as some other things that we can do. When we physically go through the process of writing things down every day. For example, every day I write down approximately 25 items, okay? The first thing I write down every single day is this. I am, notice the present tense about that. Yep. I am a money-making machine and everything I touch turns to gold, right? And so what I'm doing is I'm creating a ruling state. This whole idea of having uh, of conscious leadership, I love how you teach on this, right? Because if we're not, if we're not, if we're not intentional, if, if, we, if we're not consciously building our leadership, if we're not consciously doing this stuff, then you know this, Mike, what happens is, is that we become passively brainwashed by the rest of the world, right? So when we consciously make an effort to design our own brilliant life, by writing these things out, for example, I am a money-making machine and everything I touch turns to gold. What we do in that process is we actually affect our very own ruling state. And so you know this, the mind is a powerful magnet. It attracts whatever corresponds to its ruling state. And so when we write these kinds of things down every day, day after day, day after day, day after day, what happens is we create literally this ruling state 
that deep on the inside of us, which affects our faith, right? Deep on the inside of us, we actually believe I am a money-making machine and everything I touch turns to gold. And then there's about, you know, 24 other things that I write down, but that's the thing that I start with every single day. I write things like I am healthy and strong, active and athletic past the age of 100. You know what I mean? I, I, I literally consciously build a ruling state inside of myself that affects my inner faith. And as that inner faith is affected, here's what happens. The private conversations that I have with myself, not just when I'm talking to somebody like Mike, who understands this stuff, and I know I have to say, the, oh, I better say the right words. I'm around Mike, and he knows all this stuff. I better say the right words. So I say the right words when I'm with Mike, and then when I'm in the privacy of my own time, driving in the car or, or just relaxing, I, I still have these bad conversations going on in my mind. I promise you, and I bet the same thing is true for you, Mike, I promise you that if we had thought bubbles that were visible above our heads, like on the cartoons, where everybody could see what we're thinking, I promise you, people would think that I am the most arrogant jerk they've ever met in their life. Because my thought bubbles above my head constantly say things like, Brian, you are a walking, talking good deal. You are a blessing to everybody else. Brian, you are awesome. Dude, you are awesome, man. You know, people are lucky to be associated with you. Now, those are the things that happen in my private conversations. Now, you and I, Mike, when we're talking, you'll never hear me say, hey, Mike, you know what? You're lucky to be associated with me. I would never say that to Mike, but I, in my mind, that's what I say. I'm affecting my ruling state. I'm creating that deep inner faith that makes me expect to win in every scenario whether it's a, a COVID scare, whether it's a, a stock market crash, whatever it is, I know that Brian is going to be just fine. It's so good that you're saying this, Brian. I, and, you know, I want to share a story and, and this lady might be listening to this. So she's going to get this for sure. We have a client who's a great friend of ours and uh, she's been a client of mine for, I think it'll be eight years this year, maybe seven, eight years. And, for a number of those, well, not for a number of those years, um, she's in business with her ex-husband. And that's, it's not tidy. They don't like each other, et cetera, et cetera. And our counsel to her has been for years, get out of the business. And, you know, she's got to a point where she nearly got out, et cetera, et cetera. And it just didn't happen. She just couldn't bring herself to do it. And so she stuck in it. Guess what? It's a tourism business guess what COVID virus did? Gone. Mm. So it's like God, the universe, Allah, whatever you believe in, went and said, you know what? You're really hoping to get out of this business, but you're not taking any action. So I'll just take care of it for you. There's your business. You're now out of it. So this is because of this either self-talk that goes on in our head. And one of the, the self-talk things that I know is, is very big for you um, is the next thing I want to talk about, and that is faith. Because with the fear going on, with the guilt going on, um, with people who have got negative self-talk, it's like you ring a CEO at the moment and you go, so how are you? And they go, I'm good. But they're not, right? So um, if I talk to a CEO now, I don't ask, how are you? I say, I'm just ringing to send you some love. How's the family? Oh, and they normally say, oh, they're good. Oh, I'm a bit busy this week. And I go, stop right there. Stop. Do not say another word. 
I say, cancel all meetings. We need to talk. I'm here to give you love. You need love. Nobody else is giving you love. You're on your own. Talk to me. And then they go, and all this stuff comes out. But for you, you know, you faith has been a huge part of your life. You've had major issues that you've had to come over. You've had to battle, you know, the system. You've had um, all the politics going on and, you know, people loving you, hating you in the media, all the stuff that goes on. When you talked about 12 years of serving, what you didn't talk about 12 years of people um, annoying your family, uh, twisting things you said, um, lying about you and all of that sort of stuff. So for somebody to get through that and be the type of person that you are, which is a fantastic human being, faith is huge. But how does somebody grasp their faith if they're not even sure where to grasp? Sure. Well, you know, I, and I, I appreciate how you, having not personally, you know, in, in having not held office, um, understand, you know, how that 12 years was. I mean, it, it, listen, my home answering machine that my kids could listen to would have messages on there about, you know, I, literally, believe it or not, this is, I, I don't know that I've ever even really told anybody this publicly before, and I don't know why I feel compelled to mention it now, but, um, you know, there would be times that we'd have messages on our home answering machine that would say, I hope your daughters are raped and killed. I mean, th this is how ugly of an environment the political realm becomes. I mean, most people have no idea how absolutely horrible that whole environment is. But anyway, so I think, I think one of the biggest things as far as, you know, intentionally building faith is I think it's important that we understand or know why we believe what we believe. Okay. And so like you, Mike, I, I am absolutely respectful of, of whatever a person's faith background is, whatever, uh, whatever is the genesis of their faith. Hey, I, I'm, I'm respectful of that. I, it just so happens that I happen to be a Christian, right? And so for me, the, you know, the basis of my faith is that I am a, I am a Christ follower. I, I'm not a very churchy person. You know, there's a lot of churchy yep. people out there. I'm not very churchy uh, and I'm not religious. I, I just know why I believe what I believe. And so I, I would say, number one, is get to the place where you actually know why you believe what you believe. Because if you just simply believe what other people have said, if, if, you, if, if we just have a surface level belief about anything, then it's not going to carry us through the difficult times. But when we understand why we believe what we believe, which requires us to do some research, it requires us to do some reading. You know, for example, even if we take, if we take specifically the... Um, quote unquote, religious aspect out of it. You know, I, I happen to be a Christian. That's, that's my story, right? But even if you take that piece off of it while you're still talking about faith, you know, there's this whole idea of, of having faith in the fact that you and I set our own vibration. And when we set our own vibration, you know, um, uh, I'm trying, anyway, there's, who's the famous person that says like attracts like, you know, um, um, Einstein, Einstein said like yep. attracts like, right? And so when, when you and I purpose 
to set our own vibration, when we have, when we have the faith, right, whatever, whatever higher power we believe in, if we believe there's a higher power and if we believe that everything around us was created by a higher power, and if we look at the fact that everything has vibration, even an inanimate object, this, this lid to my coffee cup is an inanimate object, yet it gives off vibration. It gives off vibration because it's made out of molecules and molecules are made out of atoms and atoms have protons and neutrons and all that stuff moving around them. And you cannot have movement without vibration and you cannot have vibration without frequency. And so everything, inanimate objects, human beings, everything gives off vibration. And whatever vibration we are giving off is the vibration that we will attract, right? And so when we keep ourselves in a, in a vibration of faith, when we keep ourselves in a vibration of, hey, you know what? Things always work out for me. Things always go my way. Life just tends to work out for me. When we're in that vibration, then we attract that same frequency. There's a reason, Mike, why things just tend to work out for people like you and me. And it yeah. all goes back to understanding our own personal faith, understanding why we believe what we believe, and putting ourselves purposefully, intentionally into a vibration of faith, a vibration of positive expectation. And we're not talking about having some crazy foo-foo stuff. I, I, I'm not one of those people when I, when I speak in front of a crowd, you know, you've done this. I've, you know, there've been times where I've spoken in front of crowds of thousands and thousands of people at a, at, I wore my get motivated shirt today to just, so I could reminisce about the days when we could gather groups of 5,000 people. Right. So whether it's 5,000 or whether it's 50, you know, I'm not one of those people that's one of those rah-rah guys but I do understand the value of positive expectation, positive vibration. That all goes back to our inner faith and understanding why we believe what we believe. Brian, you said to me uh, before we started recording today, um, things always work out for you. And, and when you said it, I go, yeah, that's me too. I just, it just is. And, and as I get older, I just don't worry about it. So <laughs> like yeah. when coronavirus came on, I said to Lundy, oh, this could be a good time to retire and just put our feet up, you know? And if, if the world wants us to do it, then it'll show us that methodology. And then the other thing you said is you said to me three, three or four times, I'm just here to serve. And I think that's something, you know, most people aren't here to serve. Most people are there to get. And that really is a stumbling block in terms of what they're really truly going to get. Um, now, you've built over recent years, you've built a great little business for yourself in uh, marketing and selling and speaking. And for anybody who wants to connect with you, and we'll put your LinkedIn address up uh, down the bottom if somebody wants to connect with you directly after this, um, are there any opportunities or things that you're looking for at the moment uh, that you're open to that uh, people could bring to you? Because you're great at selling, you've got your fantastic speaker. Um, you're fantastic in the medium online and offline. Of course, the world will go back to some semblance of how it was as well. So anything you're looking for at the moment? Well, and I appreciate you asking that. You know, it, it's just that there's, there's really not a whole lot I need right now. I'm, you know, um, 
things just tend to work out for me, right? And I was, uh, you and I had mentioned this before we started recording, that as a speaker, I get to, I get the, the blessing of being able to make my calendar as full or as light as I choose. And um, just so happens, amazing how the universe just makes this kind of stuff happen, just so happens that I had scheduled myself for three weeks off right in this time, right? So it, it, it's like right in the middle of this COVID scare, I was scheduled to be off for three weeks anyway, because my son is on um, or was on spring break. And so we've, uh, we've converted now that we're kind of getting back into the groove, we've converted over to doing some online stuff. We know that the world is going to turn back on and we're going to be able to put people in rooms very soon. I happen to, right now, I happen to be teaching a lot on the subject of stock trading, not investing, but stock trading. And um, so, of course, there's a tremendous interest in that right now. Yep. So once we are able to uh, turn the world back on and get in airplanes again, I know that our rooms are going to be fuller than they've ever been before. People are going to be more enthusiastic about learning what it is that I am currently teaching. If a person wanted to get uh, connected or possibly find out about one of the classes that I will be doing coming up, they could go to um, the website of the client for which I'm doing most of my speaking right now, which is just simply rockwelltrading.com and it, it's just the way it sounds rockwell r-o-c-k-w-e-l-l rockwelltrading all one word dot com and um and we do we do seminars workshops all over the united states that teach people how to trade stocks not not how to invest in stocks what we teach would probably be closest uh, closest related to swing trading it, it's not an exact definition of swing trading but it's not day trading and it's not long time investing. It's, it's, it's trading, right? Yep. And so anyway, um, that's, that's what I'm involved in right now. I, I also do um, keynote speaking. Once the world turns back on, of course, there'll be more of that. But um, I just, I, I've, I have the blessing, Mike, of years ago, I began to envision. And you know, you mentioned as a, as a young boy, you said, I'm going to travel the world, right? As a young boy, I had always said, yeah, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be rich. I had no idea how it was going to happen. I ended up forgetting about those words. I settled into life, just like a lot of people do. I settled into life and forgot about that dream. And then it was reawakened and, and I got back on track. But anyway, that, that's what I'm doing these days. If a person wanted to find out more about that, they could uh, just go to rockwelltrading.com. Fantastic. Thanks, Brian. We've got a few minutes left. So I just wanted to ask you, because we're going to have a lot of people listening that are either running their own business, they're in a corporate management team. Um, actually, I definitely know that uh, one of our other speakers is considering politics as a career in his, in his country as well. And he's born for it, I have to say. You know, some people are born for it, others aren't. Yeah, they're big X. But, you know, we do these things and politics, I mean, I, I've never been in politics, but I've been on so many business committees and charities and things like that over the time. Um, you know, everybody's got agendas in everything. So I'm interested to hear from, from you, Brian, as to what people can do to become better leaders in the next five or six years, particularly as we head towards 2030, Things are moving more online, more AI, more augmented reality, more other words that nobody understands. So what can we be 
Uh, what can we do to be better leaders? Great, I love that question. So I won't go back into the whole thing about mindset and the private conversation. So assuming a person is really being diligent and purposeful about that, about getting their own private conversations right, the next thing is serve. I, I, I think I think so many, even good people, good, well-intended people tend to forget that it's all about serving. Leadership is all about, you know, and I guarantee you, Mike, that's one of the reasons why you and Landy caught my eye so much and, and why we've had this connection over the years, you know, even though we've, we've never really been able to, to spend a lot of time together, you know, mm. in the same room. But we just have this connection, and I have to believe that it's because you, you and Landy, absolutely have a heart and a mind to serve. And I think when the leader seeks first to serve, that they will always, they will, the leader who serves will always be elevated. And, and the leader who serves will always have people that, that, that want to quote unquote follow them. I, I, I wish there was a better way than to say yeah. people who follow us. I mean, it just sounds weird, but serve, serve, right? And then whatever it is that you do, when, when you design that brilliant life, there's going to almost 99% of the time, there's going to be a, a need to sell something, right? Yep. And I think a lot of times people misunderstand sales and they, they don't grasp the fact that we do not serve until we sell. Because when there's something great that we know, when there's something great that we're capable of doing, when there's a service that we're able to provide, and then we don't sell that, we're not serving, right? When I walk into a room, just as an example, when I walk into a room of people that are eager to learn about stock trading, and I know that I have the resources, I have the things that will truly elevate this person's game in the stock trading world. And then I don't sell them those resources and, and, and the environment that will make it so much more likely that they'll succeed. I've done them a disservice. Absolutely. So serve and keep in mind that a lot of times to serve, we have to sell. Absolutely. What a brilliant way to sort of finish off our conversation today. Brian, I want to thank you so, so much for, for being on our call today. And thank you so much for your wisdom and, and everything you've done for, for people um, all through your career, from your service in the military, through politics, and now serving the broader business communities as well. And, you know, if nobody's given you thanks for that in recent times, well, I'll do it publicly here. So thank you. Well, thank you. And um, you know what? I, I know this, we don't necessarily need to turn this into a love fest, but you know, what you and Landy do, I am, I am so proud to be connected to you guys. And um, I appreciate what you do. And um, I just, all the people that are connected to you, all of your followers, right? Uh, man, I know they are blessed. And, and I'm just telling you, um, if you're new to Mike and Landy, you are, you are connected to the right people. If you're not new to Mike and Landy, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're connected to the right people. Yeah, thank you, Brian. We'll see you later. All right, thanks.